Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever in the world you are joining us today, you're most welcome to this, the latest edition of Business Travel on the Fly. As organisations return to post-pandemic travel, we like to raise awareness amongst clients and travellers about how to spot and therefore help to combat human trafficking. We believe that the travel industry has a particularly crucial role to play in protecting those most vulnerable from trafficking. And through education, advocacy, philanthropy, employee engagement, we can all play a part in helping to prevent human trafficking and the sexual exploitation of women and children. And so today, the United Nations World Day Against Trafficking in Persons, I'm especially delighted to be joined for the next 20 minutes or so by Yvonne Chen, who since May last year has been Director of Private Sector Engagement with ECPAT USA. Yvonne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, now, I know you started your career in refugee rights, but I thought perhaps you could just tell us a little about yourself and your background in preventing human trafficking. Definitely. So my name is Yvonne Chen. I am, as mentioned, the Director of Private Sector Engagement at Pat USA. So I actually came into this work over a decade ago. I had started refugee rights and really just happened to really fall into anti-trafficking work. And so I had discovered so much about trafficking in the intersection. I really ended up working in a safe house, starting at a safe house for survivors of sex trafficking. And through that, I really learned how to understand the issue more, but more on a personal level. So I understood these survivors as humans. I understood who liked to talk on the phone the most or who did not like to clean as much as other people. So I, I learned it as they were humans and their story and their experience was not the only thing that identified them. So then I moved on into just continuing in direct services. I then started to focus a lot more on education, training and awareness, really thinking about how important it is for people to understand what trafficking is. Because for myself, I definitely had a different understanding of what trafficking is. And when I started working into it, working in it, I realized that there's so much trafficking that's happening around us that I, I was not even aware of. And so it really just helped me um, shape kind of the work that I'm doing. And currently now really thinking about private sector engagement, really thinking about how corporations and businesses can really think about how to train and educate on trafficking. Unfortunately, traffickers are very smart in finding loopholes in ways to traffic people. So it's really just my um, passion to really think about how to engage in that. Wow, very much a sort of vocation for you. That, that's uh, fascinating, I think. And seeing the personal side of everything as well, the sort of from the original house that you were in and stuff. Could you tell us a little bit about ECPAT maybe and, and the work that ECPAT does and, and that you do within it? Please. Yeah, so ECPAT USA is a nonprofit agency. We're actually formed under, we're also an umbrella organization of ECPAT International. We are all over, but we in ECPAT USA, we specifically focus on advocacy and prevention. So we do have a youth program that specifically focuses on talking to young people about healthy relationships, about online safety, about trafficking, and really engaging them and thinking about how to navigate these scenarios that do really impact them. And a lot of people are vulnerable to. We have a legislative advocacy and policy. We do work on legislative means on a federal, state, and local level. And then we have our private sector engagement, which I had mentioned before. We really believe in providing free resources to people as well. So really ensuring that there are 
resources and information accessible to people who want to learn about anti-trafficking work and who want to learn on how to identify and understand what trafficking is. We also have a survivor's council and our survivor's council is really important to us because we believe in involving survivors and elevating survivor voices in the work that we do. And we also have two board members who are members of our survivors council. So we take it really important. We take it, um, it's crucial to us to be able to involve survivors in the work that we do. How do people find out about that? Is it all available on the website? Yeah, people can find us at www.ecpatusa.org. They can also reach out to us at info at ecpatusa.org and find out more information and see how they can partner with us. In terms of trafficking itself, do you think it has changed since the pandemic? has been on and if it has what do you predict you know for the near future in terms of obstacles and challenges for us and anyone else trying to help um, prevent it i think that trafficking has definitely changed in that a lot of things the pandemic has really affected everyone and so while vulnerabilities increased for everyone vulnerabilities increased even more for those who were already struggling and who were already at risk, but who are already also dealing with so much more um, than others. So it is really important that we remember that, I think, because the pandemic really came at a time where it that was just what we were all we were thinking about. And here at ECPAT, we were concerned that so many people were spending so much time online, especially young people, um, how traffickers were going to utilize that. Over that time, over the pandemic, researchers had actually noted that COVID-19 pandemic had created circumstances that increase the risk of trafficking and so making it harder to deliver comprehensive services to support survivors at one point the fbi had issued a warning about a potential increase in risk um, as the internet was a, increased as a channel for sexual exploitation so it is really just thinking about how important it is to be aware that these things are happening. And so these are some of the things that we were noting and ECPAT USA created a on, these online safety guides for parents, for educators, and for youth. Because we thought it would be really important for people to understand the types of terms that people should know, people should watch out online, and also just how to understand and set privacy settings. Um, because those are also um, changing as well or have changed. So. It's just a resource that we have um, in different languages currently. But I, I suppose I hadn't even thought about that, but that is a very sinister side as well to the fact that we're all sort of online so much more during the pandemic. That's that's very scary. Definitely, definitely. For people like me who are sort of about to get back on the road as, as a sort of seasoned business traveller, what advice would you give people like us to help do our bit to try and combat trafficking? I think it's really important to remember that one person can affect change. And so I think often when we talk about trafficking, it can feel very overwhelming and it can feel like you don't know what to do and you are not sure even how to act. And so it's it's even terrifying or paralyzing to even see think if you can notice trafficking happening, what do you do? So I think training and education is really important. It is really crucial that we understand the more awareness that is given and the more awareness that is allowed and more education, we can have more eyes on the road. And so it is one of these things, we do have a, um, a hotel e-learning that's available for people. We also have a travel management training that is available as well. Um, the hotel e-learning is available in 17 languages and that is, free right now. And then we have our travel management training, which will be free um, starting in the fall. 
And so it's just important to keep that in mind. And as companies who need customizations, definitely feel free to reach out to us and we can definitely see how to customize that for you and how to ensure that these trainings and education really target the audience that we want and target um, the specifics of your company. So it is just, we re I really wanna em emphasize, you really can make a difference. I think also along with traveling, trafficking is happening in our communities. And so I had a lot of people wonder if trafficking had stopped during COVID, but unfortunately trafficking had only increased because of the reasons I had mentioned um, earlier. And so, but one person can really affect change. If you notice these things, you could potentially um, report or there are also helpful ways and also safe ways to report trafficking. I think that's a great uh, inspiration in a funny kind of way. The fact that you say even one person can make a difference. I think that's probably something that many people might not feel is the case and might turn a blind eye or disregard some of the symptoms that they may see. And you mentioned about customising the sort of services for customer for companies themselves is, is that the sort of main advice you would you would give to companies to say you know we can work with you to make sure it resonates more with your employees or are there different things that you would do with companies yeah there's definitely a few things we definitely encourage training i really think that it's powerful um as i miss in-person trainings <laughs> but currently <laughs> you know we do have online webinars that we do so definitely that we do have a program called the code, and so it's the Tourism Child Protection Code of Conduct, and it's actually the world's first and only voluntary set of business principles that travel and tour companies can implement to prevent sexual exploitation and trafficking of children. So the code provides these awareness tools, support to the travel and hospitality industry. Uh, CWT is part of the code as well um, as a member. So we recommend people joining that because we do have advice on trainings, advice on policies that people should have in place as well. I think if we're talking specifically about companies, we can also think about liability and trainings and education and what maybe third party people were using and resources. So that's definitely something that's available to people. The code is um, a real, an international code of conduct. So we have members all across the world. Uh, at Pet USA, we also have a partner and protection program. So it is a more targeted and customized version of a partnership. So in our partner and protection program, we would have consulting hours and just really looking at your company and seeing what your needs are. Um, is it employee engagement? Is it also really thinking about what are some specifics that are unique to your company that others do not have? And how can we have trafficking, anti-trafficking lens in that? Because I think some of it to help people understand is a lot of these things people look out for already. Um, you know, no company is going to say that they support uh, the exploitation of human beings, let alone children. But really thinking about if there are specific things that people and companies are already looking at, how can we look that look at that through an anti-trafficking lens as well? And as you say, you mentioned that CWT signed up for the code and does that. I, I've had experience of it and I can thoroughly recommend it as a sort of useful source of um, information and training for people. So in your own experiences, do you have, is there an example or an anecdote that, you know, you use from your career working with survivors that perhaps has inspired you in your mission or, or something that has triggered uh, a development in your behavior to, to strive to do other things? I really just think about how they're people. I think a lot of times that's something that I have really stuck with in my career, really thinking that 
their stories that people are, but they're not only their stories. And I think starting out in the safe house and working in the safe house, I didn't know a lot of people's stories. I just knew them as being in the house and taking care of them and making sure that things were running smoothly. Um, but I think part of it is really understanding that it can happen anywhere. I think that's definitely some of the things that I've had really great experiences and really lucky to work with survivors and known them for 10 years, perhaps, and just seeing their lives change. I think through services, seeing their lives change also just for themselves and for their resiliency. We have to talk about resiliency of survivors, but with kind of the career that I've had, I've also thought a lot about why people need to be resilient and how can we encourage ourselves to look at some systems. So poverty, has a big part to do with trafficking as well, because there's always vulnerabilities. Um, if someone is in poverty, we're talking about racism has a really big part of it as well. And so that's just kind of some of the things that I've really thought about, because ideally we, we don't need people to be resilient. Um, and if we take care of each other, and if we really think about this issue as a collective issue and as a societal issue that we can tackle together, then I do think that's just, one of the things that I've really taken away from my own work um, and doing trainings is really important. I've had so many cases where wh whether I was doing trainings for hospitals or community based organizations and helping people understand what trafficking is and helping them identify people who've been trafficked in their communities and how they can help with that. Because I think it's a lot of times people who are in trafficking or who are being trafficked do not know that it's happening or they don't have the words or the terminology to use to capture that experience. And so I think that's just it's definitely something that I've really learned as well. We've had so many people identified um, through the trainings that I, that I had done actually. And for the travel management training, we did have someone who was working at another company who was actually traveling on their own time um, on vacation and they were on a flight and had seen something, they had seen a young person or two young people um, with an older person and kind of felt like something was going on. The, per the young person didn't really have any belongings, maybe a small backpack, um, didn't really seem engaged, seem kind of, um, I think what their words were kind of out of it, didn't really seem nervous a little bit as well and down and sad and down and so this person had just kind of observed what was happening they really felt like something was going on they actually reported it to the flight attendant and the flight attendant got involved and essentially what happened is this person was um potentially going to be exploited and so that's definitely something that's powerful i think and it's really just these instances where if we pay attention I think we can make a difference because I think the biggest thing is to not pay attention and not realize what's happening around you. And that's when things mm -hmm. happen. And that's when people feel that they're invisible. And that's when people feel like no one is willing to help them and no one cares. And traffickers come in at that time and say, you know what? I care for you and I notice you. And that's how a lot of times trafficking can happen as well. So you mentioned a bit earlier about the Survivors Council and the fact that you have a couple of board members who sit on that. What, what is the Survivors Council? Can you tell us a bit more about that, please? At ECPA USA, we really recognize that it's important to involve survivors, um, people who have lived experiences in these conversations. We want them, we want them there for guidance on how to protect vulnerable youth, 
how they can craft legislation with us and policies that will be the most effective in preventing child sex trafficking. We allow for the Survivors Council, it's currently comprised of 13 to 15 people. They all, they all have had experiences of trafficking and really allowing for a direct line of communication between like those working, such as like our ECPAT staff to work to end commercial sexual exploitation and with people who have lived the experiences and are the true experts in this realm. So they it currently includes women and men from all different backgrounds and experiences, and the diversity is really important to us as well. We wanna ensure that we acknowledge that these stories and they would say the same um, and their experiences are not the only experiences um, that survivors have. And so this is just a, a group of people who have that um, and they want to think about the experiences that they've had and also it, find more survivors who are interested in joining this council. So they kind of serve as subject matter consultants. They're definitely compensated for their expertise as well. And we want to have, um, we do have survivors all across the US right now. We want to involve more people. If people are interested, they can go to our website and um, survivors can ask for more information on how to join the council. But we really just support their voices and their autonomy to lead and connect with others um, as valuing their experience and really just understanding that they know this issue. And so even if my own instinct is that is different or if my own instinct is that I want to help, but if they tell me that's not the best way to help, then we listen because they're the ones who know best. And so that's just definitely something that we we really value. Can you tell us a bit about the this may be the wrong word, but the sort of outcomes for survivors? Definitely. So, you know, I, I think part of it is really just thinking about involving what they what their wants and needs are and what their hopes are for people. So actually, we in listening to survivors, there were a few podcast, uh, sorry, not podcasts because I'm on a podcast, um, a few <laughs> webinars that we had done over the course of the summer and the past year and a half. Um, so one of them was around in response to conspiracy theories that were happening across um, specifically more of the United States, um, but there were also conspiracy theories just around trafficking as a whole. And I think a lot of times when people think about trafficking, there's very specific images that people have, maybe movies that people have watched, and it's only one aspect of how trafficking can happen. So uh, the survivors actually wanted to do a webinar and it's called Survivors Get Real About Sex Trafficking. And it's actually on our YouTube page in response to a lot of events that happened last summer, we we also have um, a blog series that's uh, from survivors really answering questions about their experiences, what they think about the intersection of race and trafficking. We also have um, other webinars that feature survivors really talking about the criminalization of youth, of color. So they're just kind of a few of these things that we have had in terms of what we talk about outcomes, but I would say survivors just, they really want to get the word out. Like a lot of the survivors I've worked with, they really want to ensure that people are knowing um, what is happening. So kind of how I mentioned that there was uh, potential victims identified on that plane, um, getting referrals when we do education. I think that's kind of what's important to think about how potentially you could be seeing someone that is trafficked or is exploited. And how can you make that one step or that little step? You know, another example that I think about is during the Super Bowl, there was um, 
an organization that ECPAT USA had worked with called the SOAP Project. It's a survivor-led project, and they do um, a lot of outreach to different at different big events and sporting events. Um, but one of them, one of the stories was that one of the things that they do is give a list of missing youth, um, along with their packages, along with um, train the free hotel training that we were having that we do have, and linking them to that. But one of the staff members at the hotel felt like they actually had recognized one of the missing youth um, that was on that list. So I think it's things like that that's, that are really important to understand and how we can help survivors. But I think also how we, it's just important that we involve them as well and involve survivors um, in this work that we do. So those are kind of some of the things that I think about in terms of some of the outcomes. And I have, I have survivors who have been out of their situation for a long time. I have they, their experiences range uh, from they're raising their kids, they're going to school, um, they have their own businesses, things like that. So there are definitely just so many stories, but I also think it's important to remember that people need resources. And so without resources to help people become stable, it's really hard um, to get out of a situation and a cycle because if you don't have enough resources, how can I expect you to um, survive? You know, and I think that that's what a lot of people are struggling with when they're in the trafficking situations. What are the other options for them? Wow, and and so obviously there are resources they can call on through ECPAT. The key message I've got from this is that any one person can make a difference. So we all need mm -hmm. to be alert and aware. Wow, Yvonne, thank you so much. That was uh, sort of some fascinating and thoughtful insights there. Um, we're now hopefully all a bit better prepared to help prevent the development of this abhorrent industry. Uh, but for now, I'm afraid we're out of time, really. So thank you again uh, to Yvonne Chen from ECPAT USA for joining us today. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you and so much. Pleasure. And to all of you, thank you for listening and farewell. And until next time we meet on the fly.